Welcome to Club Core, an interdisciplinary podcast exploring science stories. I'm your host, Dr. Angel Core, an assistant professor of neuroscience at UNC Asheville. Each episode of this podcast is created by undergraduate students enrolled in one of my courses. So join us as we delve into a variety of topics with one simple goal, to get it less wrong. To introduce this podcast, I join undergraduate senior Reed Gudger in the recording booth to tell the story of Club Core during July 2019. So here's the first episode of Club Core. Hi, I'm Angel Core. And I'm Reed Gudger. We are having this conversation because you were in my neuropharmacology class, a three, four hundred level neuropharmacology course that's primarily sort of cell molecular in its focus, since that's what I do. And from the inception of the course, I wanted to have different types of projects that students could complete. So if you're not the strongest traditional test taker, you can still show that you're learning what's being discussed in class and thinking about ways to apply it in new ways. The way that the class was originally set up, I had these two major projects and you had to complete a poster presentation on a drug that we hadn't discussed in class and talk about how it works. And you had this science communication project, which was the podcast project to create an outward facing audio podcast that would take scientific literature and bring it to anyone who may be interested in what that study may have found. And you did a podcast during that class that turned into the first episode of Club Core. So how do you feel about that? I guess for the podcast itself, in terms of quality, when we first finished it, I had post-project nervousness, I guess, about it not being absolutely perfect. But then I listened to it again on the way here, and I was like, wow, this is actually a lot better than I gave it credit for. So it was nice to look back on it and see that it wasn't trash. As for the process of making it, it was actually pretty inspiring because it was a subject that I was really interested in, even outside of the class. And it helped me to both explore the subject and the process of turning scientific literature into something that people can understand, which I think will be very important for like practicing medicine once I get to that point. Right. I can't agree more. I have so many stories about if doctors had just said the thing to me in a slightly different way, I could have been able to get out of certain situations much earlier. Mm -hmm. But just based on the way that it was framed, I mistook it to mean something entirely different. And I just hate thinking about the like years that I lost in certain ways on certain processes. So what about the way in which the whole thing was structured gave you that feeling of inspiration, essentially. First of all, the prompt specifically said that we needed to present the information in a way that could be widely understood, which was is kind of a challenge in and of itself because we're used to talking to fellow neuroscience students about these things and we all kind of know what each other knows and we all know kind of the same things, or at least generally. And so taking the information and broadening it without simplifying it to the point where it's wrong or even harder to understand somehow was an exercise in and of itself. And then during the process of it, I realized how much my friends have had experiences where they're like, 
psychiatrist, for instance, didn't explain something to them and they had a whole bunch of questions that they didn't have anywhere to go to get the answers for. Isn't that the whole point of science communication? It is. How do you say this so that folks can understand even if they've never read a science article, if the last science class that they had was, you know, 12th grade, if that, and more importantly, if they think that science has nothing to actually teach them. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I really enjoyed about yours and Chris's podcast was the various ways in which you had layered in references from pop culture to do exactly that, right? To address Mm -hmm. this issue of, no, science isn't a thing that lives in a bubble somewhere. Science is how you live your life, Mm -hmm. right? The example that I gave of scientific thinking in our Fundamentals of Neuro class, which is the first class you took with me, was as simple as like, your lamp stops working, how do you figure out what's wrong? Mm -hmm. And everyone does this all the time, right? Because your lamps go out all the time and you have to figure out why that happened. But no one takes it as a, I'm doing the scientific process. I'm doing a hypothesis-driven thing. Figuring out ways to bridge that gap to help people see how much science they already do in some ways is one of the things that gets me really excited about teaching the more interdisciplinary classes, like my film class, for instance. So talk to me about the pop culture references that ended up in your podcast. Where did that come from? Were they the starting points that inspired your interest in tetrodotoxin or detouras? What really happened was when you asked us to have two different projects, one the podcast and the other a poster presentation, you said that they could either be on the same thing or different things. And I wanted them to be on two different substances that related to each other. And at the time, I had heard of, because like zombies are a big thing in popular culture right now. And me being who I am, I went and looked at like where zombies came from and like, how did how did this get into our culture and that kind of stuff? I kind of love that about our students. They are always doing that kind of thing, being like, I want to learn more about this. Why did this happen this way? And yeah, I just love that. <laughs> In the process of researching the origin of zombies, I came across the tetrodotoxin and datura plants. And I found out that they were used in tandem or theoretically used in tandem to like help create this zombie story and the zombie belief and so once I found that I was like well that's what my project's going to be about now. What was the process of actually putting that together like is that something I've been wondering about and I think something that we could share with you know viewers and listeners of Club Core. I wanted to first see if this claim that these substances were like part of the origin of zombie myth was legitimate in terms of like history. So I started researching like where did this idea that they were related came from and that led me to like the voodoo of Haiti and that there was this ethnobotanist Wade Davis that went there and researched and brought back samples of these things that were used by the Bokor to make the zombies and that's pretty much where I jumped off of for the beginning of my research for the podcast project in particular going into like what that meant in terms of culture and like how tetrodotoxin is represented in elsewhere in culture it honestly just like the more i looked into it the more i was like ah yes these pieces fit together so well and then it just all came together and i 
feverishly wrote that script in one night and then sent it to Chris to proofread it because I was just so excited and so interested that I was just like tapping away and couldn't stop. And then he looked over it and, and agreed that that's what we should do. And then we recorded. Right. And um, I kind of, again, I, I love on UNT students all the time, but I wanted to understand where that motivation kind of came from. I know some of it is just, you know, you're a great student because it's summertime and you're here in a very small box talking to me about your learning experience, right? That kind of metacognition is something that faculty are constantly trying to inspire in their students or the drive to take a project for a class and really give it everything. That's something that there's lots and lots of conversations around. So, you know, looking at your four years now and you're heading into your final semester, mm -hmm. you've had a lot of experiences in lots of different classes and certainly for the podcast project, y'all went first. So being the founding episode of Club Core, I think carries some weight to it. Um, the honor. The honor. <laughs> yeah, I was just sort of wanted to know where do you think that you know, excited motivation came from. It's like the million dollar question in pedagogy right now. Mm -hmm. What makes students get motivated? And not just motivated, turn into, you know, lifelong learners like you are where you're wanting to have these types of conversations. And that kind of connects back to the pain class too, where y'all were really in it and then going out and talking to other people about what you're experiencing in class. And you know, I, I have my theories about where it comes from. But it was really helpful to me when we had that conversation about the pain class. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so just wondering, if, you know, where do you think it came from? I guess it's a little bit of a tough question to answer because it just kind of flows. When I started the project, I think part of what made it so inspiring was the freedom to look into just about anything that we wanted to and the tying it in with culture and bringing everything that we've learned about neuroscience and the particular substance that we wanted and tying it into something that not only will other people be interested in, but that we were interested in, it just kind of checked all of the boxes of like, you like this non-science stuff and you like this science stuff and you like bringing them together. And then you have all of this creative freedom to turn it into as much as you want with still having clear guidelines so that you know what your target is, but you can approach it from any angle. That was, I think that's what really got me going with it. I have to say, I don't know that I have these conversations enough because I really like learning about how students are feeling about stuff in class. But there is many of you that I've been super impressed with the metacognitive ability of like where you were finding the things that resonated and that you were actually actively thinking about the things that were resonated. It's one of the things that I really appreciate because for me, half my battle's done, right? If I'm walking into a classroom and I want to inspire the students to do this kind of work, having students that are already in an environment, you know, both mentally and physically, where they want to find the things they're excited in, they want to find the things they're excited about, and they actually want to do the work towards it. Club Corps would not exist if the students in my classes weren't constantly trying to amaze me with the work that they did. I know that my you know, freshman class is certainly 
I don't even know how to explain it. They are a primary driving force to me actually putting this in the world and trying to expand it and connecting in with the science communication world of which there is one, which I didn't know about. I was just kind of doing my thing. So I'm really grateful that you guys do this kind of stuff. There's an, there's another aspect of it that I just thought of while you were talking. The fact that it was work, but didn't feel like work hmm. because I love creative writing. If I hadn't gone the science route, I would have been a creative writing major probably. So being able to tell the story of where the tetrodotoxin came from, why it was connected to all of these things in the way that I wanted to. And there's just so much history around it that the story was already there. I just had to put it together. That helped fuel that feverish night of writing where I just didn't stop. And then all we had to do is say it. And which, to be honest, is sometimes a lot better than uh, or a lot more enjoyable of a process than typing it out in a scientific literature way. Yeah, the science literature presentation and, you know, we're looking at the article that we wanted to base our conversation around today. It can be really dense a lot of the times and it can be almost impenetrable in many ways. I hate that word. I don't want to use that word. Um yeah, it just seems like there's a gatekeeping process that isn't often taught. And I think it's one of the reasons why I tried to teach it so much. Because when I was an undergrad, I wasn't explicitly taught how to do this. And I think it's important because there is, there's stacks and stacks and stacks of data everywhere. But we can't always get to it depending on our lives and whether we've had interest in or capacity to learn how to do this kind of reading, but figuring out ways to talk to other people about what happens in the lab, I think is so important. There's so much misinformation everywhere. And I've been thinking about what to do with this, you know, ways to kind of expand out Clubcore. What is this really going to look like? How am I going to do this? And I stumbled upon like the best catchphrase for the show. Let's get it less wrong. I like that a lot. The phrase comes in part from, well, largely from uh, my first year seminar teacher when I was an undergrad. So I went to undergrad having come out of the Indian school system where science is science, right? You're in 10th grade and by the end of 10th grade, you're picking your major field of study. And um, as an 11th and 12th grader, I learned all of the chemistry and biology and physics and math that you learned during the first couple of years of college. So I have a very clear idea of what science should look like. And then I get to the States. First class at Bryn Mawr College is my biology. We called it a college seminar, but it's a first-year experience class. And here's this guy who studies philosophy of science. And he was breaking every aspect of what I thought I knew about science. Um, I wanted to be able to walk into a science class and say, there's a right answer and there's a wrong answer. And... Sometimes that's true, and sometimes there's gray areas. And what I really appreciate about that class is I hated it. I hated it. It was uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable to be in a place where there was going to be order in the world and there wasn't. And so having come back to the liberal arts environment, you know, I've been teaching first-year seminars, and I was going up for a review process and started to think about, you know, where did my Kool-Aid for liberal arts come from? And I found myself on this 
you know, you're supposed to be writing something, but you're just too blocked or overwhelmed and you can't do it. So you're on a little Google search and ended up writing this thing that was essentially like a love letter to the liberal arts. In the process of which I went and found the course description for my first year seminar. He describes what the class is going to be like. And the end line was in an effort to get it less wrong. And as I've gone and revisited other things that Professor Paul Grobstein wrote and did work on that's still alive on the internet because he's passed on now, I found this getting it less wrong is really all you can do in science because there's not an absolute in science till you've kind of tested it in every possible way to disprove any of the other theories. So really all we can do in science is just get it a little bit less wrong with every iteration. And it's one of the things that changes as you're going from high school to undergrad and undergrad to grad school is you're getting it less wrong. And so you're bringing in the layers of nuance. And what a great motto for what we do, right? We try to get it less wrong. Mm -hmm. It's never going to be perfect. The work that's done in 2016 there's going to be some holes in it now because it's 2019 and science has moved on. I'm just very excited to carry on the message of someone that was so formative in my own worldview because he really helped me sort of come to terms with the fact that there are some things in the world that are gray and some things that I'm going to be uncomfortable with. And I'm grateful to be able to look back and be like, man, I hated that class, but I am so grateful because it's made me the scientist that I am today. And I'm a quirky scientist. Yeah, I'm a very interdisciplinary scientist. Club Corps is produced by a multidisciplinary team of students at UNC Asheville. This episode was hosted by Reed Gudger and me, Angel Core. Recording assistance provided by Kent Thompson at the UNC Asheville Audio Lab. Additional sound engineering by me and Jessica Fox. Jessica also wrote our theme music. You can find show notes, including links to the information discussed in this episode at clubcore.com slash podcast slash episode one. If you like this episode, please share, subscribe, and review. And if you have a question you'd like us to explore, drop us a line. You can find me, Angel Core, on all the socials at Club Core. We'd love to tell your science story so we can all get it less wrong. Until next time.